Hello there, it's uh, September 7th, 2020, Labor Day weekend, coming to a close, experiencing, at least in our lifetime, a pandemic, hopefully something we will never experience again, and hopefully nothing that our kids or their kids will ever have to go through again, although it's unlikely that this is the last time of a pandemic, but uh, we deal with what we have at this time. I know that on a lot of my clients' minds right now is the fact that their pools are closed in many instances, and their members, their families, their guests, their friends can't use that pool or other amenities within the community. Whether you're a condominium association and you have a pool and a small gym, maybe a bocce ball or uh, some other small amenity that uh, members use here and there or your homeowners association with tennis courts and basketball courts and uh, tot lots. There are great limitations that have been set by associations to limit exposure to the potential of getting COVID-19. On the other hand, there's a number of associations that are allowing their members, their family members, their guests and invitees to use the pool and other amenities. So you get that, why they and not us, why us and not them, and it creates issues for association boards that have to deal with members that are clearly getting upset. And to a degree, we can understand everybody's desire to use those amenities, especially in the South Florida heat. The pool is one of the most refreshing and look forward to amenities that many members have. I have been discussing at length the fact that when you do this and you allow members to use the facilities without oversight, without a plan of action where social distancing is enforced, masks are enforced, um, the different items within those areas are wiped down on some type of regular basis, you expose the association to potential devastating litigation. So I took an opportunity uh, the other day to reiterate my thoughts and my feelings with regards to this and the exposure that I believe associations have. The purpose of this podcast is to supplement my YouTube video that I posted last Friday where I've come across an article titled, College Students Are Already Itching to Sue Frats Over COVID-19. And the article, and I'll read you a little bit of part of it, at the University of Washington over this past summer, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, 137 students living in a frat house tested positive for the coronavirus after hosting a number of fraternity-style parties, if you will that violated their own internal guidelines. Same thing happened at the University of Alabama where students completed an entirely virtual rush process that ended with new members showing up in person to the sorority houses, packing themselves together to take photos and then crowding neighborhood bars. The next week, the university announced more than 500 cases on the campus. So who's responsible? Well, the author of the article interviewed two attorneys who specialize in litigations against fraternity houses. 
and they both admitted to getting multiple phone calls regarding potential litigation. Uh, one lawyer said that filing a lawsuit is an absolutely op an option that where you violate public health rules around coronavirus, it's no different than violating other safety rules like a speed limit. A violation of safety rules by someone with no excuse or justification renders them responsible for the harm that's caused. And of course, there's precedence for this type of action in, in a number of uh, different types of lawsuits from failure of airbags to work properly, to brakes, to tires, uh, to sidewalks, to um, establishments not cleaning up the floor after uh, they know or should have known of uh, you know, some type of vegetable spill or, uh, uh, or members going through their various uh, stores or guests. You know, I'm talking about either like a Costco or a Sam's type issue where, uh, you know, members who are shopping in the locations go through a food aisle that uh, maybe some vegetables, tomatoes, other stuff, of other similar uh, items have fallen on the ground and they're all mushing them up with their feet and then somebody slips and falls. Obviously, there are laws on this and there are cases that clearly establish in certain circumstances negligence. Uh, where the establishment uh, can be liable for tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars depending on the uh, injury sustained by, by somebody shopping in their establishment. This is no different than a homeowner at either a condominium, co-op, or HOA using the pool, believing that the association under its maintenance obligations in its covenants is taking all the necessary steps to provide safety for that pool area, then contracts COVID-19, potentially has life-altering injuries from it, or worse, passes on from it, or even a combination of, uh, of sustaining injuries from it, but also passing it on to their own family members. And depending on those family members, you could have other people in the residence or other people who they visit that have even more of a susceptibility to injuries and death from COVID-19 that otherwise believed that since John Doe visited the pool and was in an association pool that's being maintained, there was no reason to think something worse would occur. I know that the answer to that from some associations will be, look, we tell them to use the pool at their own risk. We tell them to use the facilities at their own risks and that we are not able to prevent COVID-19 or take all the necessary steps. The problem is you don't get to do that, right? Um, if you could do that, then every establishment where somebody slips and falls on a raised sidewalk or fallen food that hasn't been cleaned up would say, this is a risk that you take. Every establishment that uh, sells a car would say, look, anything that happens to you based on our design defect or a problem with the failure of one of the parts in the car, that's all on you. You take and assume that risk. Nobody assumes such risks. You know, when you assume such risks, when you go zip lining, when you go uh, jump out of a plane with a parachute, when you hang glide, when you do sports or, or, or adventures, if you will, 
that are inherently dangerous, you sign waivers that are very, very specific to that. I don't want to repeat myself because I know I've dealt with this in a prior YouTube uh, video and I know that some of you have heard this before and are wondering why do we have to go over it again. But remember, how can you waive an obligation of the association to properly maintain its pool, pool area, gym, any of its common element or common area, depending on if you're a condo or an HOA, facilities, how can you waive such an obligation of the association to do so in order for an owner to go swimming? The optics of that alone are horrific for any litigation against an association. So I think it's, you know, I think it's important that you realize that this is not just in an HOA uh, segment. It's, it's in a fraternity houses. It's in all private type of areas of facilities. Uh, many of you have discussed with me over the past few weeks uh, the possibility that uh, Palm Beach County, Broward, eventually Miami-Dade will open up uh, to phase two. And some of them are already starting to look at implementing portions of that. Again, you have two or three different factors here. With respect to state parks and other type of facilities run by your city, municipality, county, state, they have sovereign immunity. They're not worried so much about these type of lawsuits. With respect to private businesses, they may have insurance in place to cover them for this, or they may be willing to go out of business if things go wrong or bad and they don't have personal liability. Not that a board member would necessarily have personal liability, but the association does. And as we've discussed in prior videos, a lawsuit against an association where damages are assessed and insurance does not cover for pandemics, most likely not viruses either, but for pandemics, the judgment against an association would then place a receiver at the helm to assess all of the owners, after using all the reserves, all the bank accounts, all of the owners for that shortfall. And that receiver's cost would be a cost tax to the association. So there are devastating financial implications with doing this. So as we've discussed before, if you're intent on doing it, if you are willing to take the risk, then let the owners know this is a risk we're willing to take and that, yes, we are unable to guarantee your safety. Nobody can, by the way, but we are unable to guarantee the safety. We are unable to put people in place to ensure social distancing, to ensure things and facilities are being wiped down. Let me also say that if and I've heard this is happening to certain associations, especially with owners who are peeved at the boards for whatever reasons, whether it's this or something else, that they're calling the public health facilities to send people to inspect during high periods of use whether the owners are in fact social distancing and the association's enforcing it. And an association can be fined for not doing this. It's happening all around uh, Coral Springs, I, I read a, a big article about it, where there are over 50 businesses that have been cited for violating the mandated social distancing rules and regulations, um, wearing of masks, and so on and so forth. You can have the same thing for an association. You're obligated to enforce this. 
it's not enough to say people are using it at their own risk. If they use it at their own risk and they violate social distancing guidelines, the association may be held liable by the local municipality, city, uh, even county for these violations. And there could be uh, fines, and the fines are probably in the neighborhood of $1,000 to $5,000 or so, but there's still significant fines for some associations who are already on stretched budgets, who already have num a number of members who are unable to pay and support their obligations to the community right now because of the COVID-19 pandemic and loss of work, reduced job uh, hours, reduced pay, and so forth. So the consequences in this are vast, and the consequences in this are real. Um, I know there are associations who are doing it. I know they're running that risk and feeling that it's better than, uh, I think one uh, board member told me, having a revolt on your, uh, on your doorsteps, at your door, at your residence, everybody blaming you. But I'm hopeful that the reality from those actions isn't a lawsuit, isn't damages, um, and does not come back to bite those decisions of the board in the future. In the meantime, I suggest that if your association allows the use of the pool, that you do so at hours where you are you know from viewing it, uh, in, uh, you know from afar that people don't use it as as much as uh, other times, or that you completely stay away from it. If the association cannot ensure social distancing, cannot wipe down the restroom facilities, the uh, guardrails coming in and out of the pool area, if they allow furniture to be there, all those types of issues, if they are not governing and mandating compliance with the CDC guidelines, the state guidelines, and even the county guidelines, then you have no business being there since you yourself can end up getting sick and passing this along. I've recently heard that a number of Students at University of Central Florida have now tested positive. This is not over. Uh, I'm very happy to see from the uh, Sun Sentinels reporting today that the number of cases in Florida has dropped to mid-June levels. That's terrific. We're about to enter into the fall season where I imagine that every sneeze, every cough, every congestion is going to be associated with a mandated COVID test to ensure that you are not infecting your family members, your workers, or anyone else, uh, people you work with, or anyone else, and that it's going to be a little panicky in the beginning until there's a easily obtainable, uh, quick, and uh, uh, affordable testing to ensure that you do not have it and that what you do have is either a form of the flu, um, you know, cough, congestion, and not COVID-19. Until that happens, I think the reported incidents will go up and the fear will greatly increase based on hearing somebody cough next to you or say they're having a little trouble breathing, but it's really just fluid in their lungs from a con cough or congestion has nothing to do with COVID-19. Um, it's a scary time right now. I think we can uh, both and all of us get through this together uh, and it's just important that some of the amenities, some of these pleasures in life that we value so dearly are weighed against our health. 
And I think our health always should prevail over a swim for a few hours, a, uh, you know, a use of a gym that's, you know, maybe 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 or some small facility. I think we should look to alternatives. In any event, I wish you only all the best and uh, I'm hopeful that uh, 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 you will remain healthy and you will heed some of these warnings, look to some alternatives, and I always welcome any inquiries. We've established a new uh, email. It's called Ask SLG Law, A-S-K-S-L-G Law at gmail.com. If you have any questions, you want a topic discussed at a next podcast or video, we are happy to do so. So I wish you all the best and be well. Thank you so much.